Ryan, do you know what's different this month when we're recording that we haven't had any other month to date yet? I have no idea. I can see it on your screen. I can see it on my screen. Oh, daylight savings it's time is done. It's still daylight out. Yeah, yeah we've never <laughs> recorded with the sun up before. That's I noticed true. that while getting ready today. I was like, oh my God, the windows, they're still open. Like it's I've refreshing. never. <laughs> yeah, it's so different. Normally, even if we record right when we're done with work, it's pitch black. Mm -hmm. So I, I really love that we're recording in the daylight now. It makes me feel a little hopeful, which I'll try yeah. to hold on for, you know, 10 seconds until we begin this story. <laughs> <laughs> Agent Earn here with Agent Skurd. Hello. We've been talking true crime since our school lunchroom days. And if you like true crime, why don't you come sit with us? Yeah, come sit with us. One of our goals as a podcast is to cover the known and the unknown cases. We want it all. We want the John Benets and the John Doe's to get coverage and have their stories told because as we're aware of in the true crime world, telling the victim's story is oftentimes the thing that leads to answers in their cases. Skurd is going to lead us in the case of Tamala Horsford, and her case is quite sad and confusing. So, Skurd, why don't you tell us a little bit about Tamala? All right. So, Tamala Iana St. Jour was born on November 10th, 1978 in Kingstown of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which for those of you who had to give it a goog like me, is in the Caribbean. Looks gorgeous. So, she was an island girl at heart. Mm -hmm. She was married, and she had five sons who were 14, 12, 11, 7, and 4, and she had a stepdaughter who was 24. She was one of those people that you would describe as not knowing a stranger. Everyone who knew her said she was the most friendly, outgoing person. She just loved people. She loved talking to people. She loved meeting new people. I, ha I haven't heard a bad thing about her. So November 3rd, 2018, she went to a party with seven other football moms. Now, this was for a lady named Jean's 45th birthday, and Tamla and Jean's sons played football together. It sounds like I'm saying John, but I'm pretty sure it's Jean. Jean. Yeah, J-E-A-N-N-E. So there were seven uh. other football moms there, and there were 10 people total at the party because Jean's boyfriend, Jose, oh, okay. and one of the girl's husbands was there, and also Jean's aunt, Madeline, lived in like oh, their in basement, the basement suite. Yeah. Uh -huh. So she okay. was there, too. So there were seven ladies. Um, there is a very popular picture on the internet of all the gals sitting on the couch. I know you know which it's, one I'm thinking of. I do. Tamala's in the cutest pajamas. Like, she is. pajamas with paw prints on them she got like the onesie pajamas for the like a sleepover party and it made me so happy yeah she, she looks so happy like, nobody else was dressed as cute no like, they really they weren't just like they're wearing sweats and tamla's like what's up guys like, i got real pajamas for this yeah party. i love that she put effort into like getting real pajamas for the pajama party mm -hmm. so if you're looking at this couch picture from left to right, we have Nicole, we have Jean, who is the homeowner and birthday girl, Stacy, Tam. I know like her full name is Tamla. Everyone seemed to call her Tam consistently the whole time, mm -hmm. so I probably will too. Uh, Tam, Sarah, Marcy, Jen, and Bridget. I originally left all the names out of everything as I was writing this because 
you can find them all on the internet anyway. And I didn't like especially want to drag these women into it. But then after doing all of this research, I just I needed a way to keep them all straight. So yeah. <laughs> and as long as you're not doing last names, I feel no, like. you could find it all on the internet anyway. Yeah, I mean, that night they were planning on having a ladies night and they were also watching the LSU game. And something I thought was so strange right off the bat was like almost in every article I read, they said that the women were having a quote, adults only sleepover, which I think was the weirdest way to word it because it just sounds sexual. And it was just grown women in their pajamas and their sweatpants drinking wine and hanging out. And they were watching football like it wasn't a weird thing. I felt like they purposefully made it sound so strange by saying like, oh, adults only. And it was like, no, it's just it's just you sleeping at your friend's house because you're drinking. Yeah, I kind of felt like not the same thing. But I had a like, why was Sean's boyfriend there? That's not okay. Like, this is a girl's <laughs> thing. And I had a very like strong reaction to it. That's so funny because I went the other way when the guys were there and they like, oh, we had to ask permission to be there. And I'm like, you did like but i i get it if you're having a girls night and then somebody's husband wants to come and you're like Ugh, okay yeah i had just this is like a personal like heart wound <laughs> like i went to a girls weekend at a conference center and then a couple of the ladies brought their boyfriends or husbands and i was like well i would have brought my husband if i knew that i could yeah, like right. now i'm spending the weekend away from my husband but you have yours that's cool i guess oh yeah that's true <laughs> that would be kind of weird and i guess we do have like our ladies only dinners at the supper club yes because clearly <laughs> tell us you're from wisconsin without saying you're from wisconsin like oh we go to the supper club we go for to dinner the supper club yeah <laughs> what do you do we eat liver paste and <laughs> croutons. <laughs> okay, you eat liver paste and croutons. I eat the most battered <laughs> shrimp they have on the menu, and it's so good. Oh, it's so good. All right, so all these ladies, like, Tam was pretty good friends with some of them, but there were some mm -hmm. that she didn't know as well, which makes sense if you're, like, at a birthday party for someone else. Yeah. Like, you'll probably know some people, maybe some people you hadn't met before, but as I mentioned before... That was no issue for Tam. Like she, several ladies said in their interview that she was going around introducing herself to everyone, striking up a conversation with everyone and just like seemed to get along perfectly with everyone. And then I had a little giggle, like just picturing you or I going up to every single person at a party, introducing <laughs> ourselves. Can't, can't relate to that, Tam. I'm glad you're social <laughs> and outgoing. Would never do that. Sounds like a nightmare. But that is consistently what she is described as doing. The party started around 7, but Tam didn't arrive until 8 or 8.30 because she wanted to bake a breakfast casserole for all her boys at home before she left. So this is my first heartbreak of the night of yeah. many. It's this freaking breakfast casserole that I just can't stop thinking about sometimes. Like, do you think they ate it? I would assume so. Ugh. Yeah, I feel like it shows she was willing to be late to her friend's thing that she was super excited about and kept saying, like, I don't get to go out very often. I don't get to do this. Super excited. But yeah. she, like, got there late. She sacrificed that time that she really wanted to know that her family back home was going to be taken care of in her absence. It yeah. Just, you know, it shows really well. That simple breakfast casserole shows a lot about who she was and mm -hmm. how she felt about her family. Yeah, there's a lot of love in that one casserole. Yeah. And you're right that she was very excited for this party. She had told several other party goers that she just wanted to hang out with some women. 
because again, <laughs> yeah. she had her husband and five boys at home. So I yeah, can't and imagine those two guys crashed the party and she Ugh. was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably not. She was probably excited to talk to them, but probably. you or I would be like, oh, <laughs> just want to drink wine upstairs and watch football, which I think like I'd also read some people commenting on like, oh, women hanging out to watch football and like, of course, of course, like, but you yeah. and I come from Packers territory where every man, woman, child, dog watches football. It wouldn't be strange yeah. at all. I definitely have female football friends. I had one gal like in high school, early college that I'd always watch the games with because she was the only other gal I knew that watched football. So <laughs> we'd always hang out and do it. So I thought it was fun. Apparently it was just Jean that was a LSU fan because this wasn't oh, funny. Where is LSU? Georgia. Louisiana? They were yeah, in Georgia? LSU's, yeah, so they're, well, they're either dogs fans or the other Georgia team. I don't know the other I, one. I don't know anything about college football, to be honest. And I've noticed since I haven't been watching NFL football as much, some of the teams have moved, which took me by surprise this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I say here, oh, oh we're yeah. all diehard Packers fans here, and then I'm like, they did what? So I'm, I'm a little out of touch, too. So, like you had mentioned, it was a pajama party, and Tam was wearing these awesome, like, zip-up pajamas that had gray paw prints on them. And some lady said that she arrived, she was, like, carrying all her stuff, you know, she picture carrying all your bags, (laughs) and she's all pumped, and immediately she was like, I gotta put on my PJs, and, like, threw all her stuff down, and went and put on her, like, party pajamas, which is awesome. From interviews, again, from all the interviews I read... It sounded like Tamla was out at John's last weekend as well. They had a Halloween party there with all their kids mm-hmm. where they like carved pumpkins. So she was not a stranger to like this home. She had been there before, mm-hmm. like her and John had a pretty good rapport. Obviously, their kids were friends. They had just hung out. So she was back again to have like a ladies night party. Now, it is worth mentioning that Tam was a black woman and everyone else at this party was white. This will come into play. Was Jose Latino? I would assume so, yes, by his name and his general appearance. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. All white women and then Jose, and I believe the other husband that was there, and I assume John's aunt, too, was, were all white. Yeah. It is also worth mentioning that this party took place in Cumming, Georgia, which is in Forsyth County. And this is worth mentioning because Forsyth County has a quite the history. It's of pretty being dark. Yeah. really racist. It's kind of dark, but it's also not dark at all because yeah, of... Well. <laughs> because they kicked every black person out of the county in, I believe it was 1925? I have 1912. Oh, that sounds good, too. It was early 1900s. They kicked every black person out, told them if they didn't leave, they'd burn their houses down and kill them. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until 1987 that there was a single black person on the census in the county, but no one knew who it was. <laughs> Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. And that same year, a civil rights group tried to like demonstrate peacefully and they were just absolutely beat up and assaulted by the residents of Forsyth County. So they came back in much larger numbers. And with Oprah. Was Oprah there? She totally was. What? Yeah. Okay, I think I did see like a 1980s Oprah news clip, but uh-huh. I don't know if I put together that she was there. Yeah, they came back with 20,000 people. Yeah. Wow. That's that's that is quite quite the gathering, which I did read was the largest demonstration since Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Actually, the largest peaceful gathering since his funeral, I believe. Now, I think that 
in our brief chat, okay, we, we chatted for 45 minutes about other stuff, but in our brief chat about this case, before we hit record, you had told me that this is what you dived into a little bit more, was the history of this just terrible county. Yeah, so I, you covered, you covered a lot of it, but I did look into, in 1912, they banned every black person from the county, and this was referred to as being a quote-unquote sunset county. And it meant that any black person found in the county after sunset was punishable by death. What? There was like a time limit. Like you weren't even allowed to be at the grocery store after sunset. Oh, my God. So this isn't actually the first time that I've heard of this because a few years ago, I found out that Appleton, Wisconsin, where my husband grew up, was a sundown town. What? Which is the same evil with a different name. It also goes by gray towns or sundowner towns. Wow. And my husband's mom had a story of going to a school dance with a black man and getting threats. And that's when she found out that Appleton had previously been a sundown town. Wow. And had fairly recently lost that. And so she was kind of, um, she grew up there, but she didn't even know that that was a law when she was living there. Wow. Didn't even know she was making a statement either with her. She didn't know she was making a statement, but then she was like, excuse me? Yeah, I can't (laughs) imagine she would stand for that. Wow. Yeah. When she retells the story, she still shivers because Mm -hmm. it's just gross. Like, it's just not acceptable. And we have to remember that this wasn't that long ago. No. It was so recent. Like, this is our grandparents were doing this. And so we have to keep that in mind. Like some people at the party, it could have been their parents were around during when these laws were enforced. Wow. That's crazy to think. Yeah, it it seems like it should be so much longer ago. And it just wasn't. It really wasn't at all. I mean, 1987 is our lifetime. Since then, the county has slowly gotten more and more diverse. There's still a lot of lingering issues going on. And that's probably one of the reasons this case is so suspicious. Is oh, that yeah. right? Or did you find a lot more evidence? I mean, the, oh, okay. Just so where I didn't cast... find a lot more evidence. Yeah, I mean, where it where it takes place alone, like sets the tone for kind of what we're going to see unfold in front of us. And I yeah. know that you had said that, oh, like, uh, it's getting like Forsyth County is becoming more diverse, but eh. it's still bad. Yeah. Just like our hometown that we grew up Yeah, we grew up in a town with our high school had 1,500 people, and we had, what, one black student? I I believe so, yes. Mm -hmm. And, like, some Asian population, most of whom were adopted into white families and so Mm -hmm. really, like, culturally identified as white a lot more. Definitely. So, yeah, it's crazy how, um, how bad like segregation still exists but it just exists secretly (laughs) like yeah we aren't supposed to talk about it or like we're supposed to assume that it's all fine right i say it's like we can see it out in the open but it's definitely like unspoken about and i can imagine Mm -hmm. in forsyth county like from what i found in 2010 just 4.4 of the population 4.4 percent of the population was black and in 2018, it actually went down to 3.14%. And like that, it yeah. seems so small. So of course, I had to look up Milwaukee County and compare those two together. And Milwaukee County was like 25.9% black or something. Hmm. So it's still not a lot. It's still just a quarter of the population. But yeah. what I thought was interesting about Forsyth County was 
while like the three percent of people were black only 77 percent of people were white and then it would yeah. have like 11 percent asian i'm just trying to like set the scene and trying to myself imagine what this town looks like and you know what what i see at the grocery store and like in their daily yeah daily lives all right so we've tried to paint an accurate picture for you about forsyth county of course there's way more that we could dive into but i think that gives you a good footing on what we're dealing with here so it's obviously not a place that's i don't know welcoming with the times welcoming that's a that's a good place yeah. yeah definitely not a welcoming place but tam was such a welcoming woman it's not really surprising that she had like a f- some really good friends here she did and yeah she was happy living her life here so and she lived here for five and a half years before this party mm. so which was interesting to put it into perspective like i didn't it took me a while to find that out. Like, how long did she live here? Yeah, I was looking for that. I'm glad you found it. So she had established a life here. Like, she felt safe enough to stay there for five and a half years. Mm-hmm. From her kids, it looks like at least one of them was born there then. She had a four-year-old. Aw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's zoom in just a little bit. And I want to describe the house that they were having this party. Because yeah. it's, it's set up a little differently that if I were to just start talking about the setup without explaining it, it might not make a lot of sense. So this house Mm -hmm. was one that was built on a hill in that if you were on the first floor, like that's all you saw from the front was just a one floor home. But from the back, the basement was exposed. So then the basement was kind of at the ground level. And then that first floor had a balcony that overhung the basement. Mm -hmm. So I hope that you can picture that. But like essentially the basement did was at ground level on the back because that's the only place it was exposed. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like Madeline had a staircase that went up inside the house from the basement to the first floor. Because she said she she had left lights on when she went to bed just in case one of the drunk gals wandered down. She didn't want them to fall. She wanted them to (laughs) still see the stairs. Yeah, so she said that she left a light on on her stairs. So I assume they connected somewhere in the home. I did mention Madeline. She was um, Jean's aunt that she lived in the basement apartment. It sounded like she had just moved here because Jean had mentioned in her interview that Madeline was, quote, still getting used to the Georgia weather. Hmm. I don't know what that means, if it was good or bad or hot or cold. But she said that she had like, you know, she'd always go outside every morning and just like see what it was like because she was still getting used to it. That sounds like when I had to take business trips to Florida all the time. I would just step outside in the morning to be like, oh, my God, it's, it's warm in the mornings. And at yeah. night, I'm like, it's still warm at night. Like, we're used to the desert climate of Wisconsin where it's hot during <laughs> the day and cold at night. No, it's not a desert, guys. I know that. Come on. So there's lots of photos from that night that you can find on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And all of them, it looks like Tam is having a blast. In fact, it looks like it all of the women are having a blast. Tam brought over yeah. this bottle of tequila and... Almost everyone mentions it in their interview because she was super excited about it. It was her favorite kind of tequila. It came straight from Mexico. It actually had some special seal on it that so you knew it was like legit. And I want (laughs) to say it was the kind that had worms in it because Ah. I did read in someone else's interview that Jen, another party goer, was going around shrieking about how she ate the worms. We'll get to that. I want to do my drunk lady impression for you. 
she was shrieking because Tam ate the worms or she was shrieking because she ate the worms? I think Jen ate the worms, but I could be wrong. Because maybe cut this out and add it in later. I read so much that people kept saying Tam was the only one that drank the tequila that she brought. She drank almost the whole bottle by herself. So that's contradictory. Yeah, I did too. And I wondered that when I read that quote from Jen. But I guess you could be right that she was referring to Tam eating the worms. And maybe she was like, ah, like white lady upset about that. Yeah, she could. (laughs) So she actually brought this present or brought this tequila as a present for Jean for her birthday. But Jean said she didn't drink tequila and that she, quote, threw up in her mouth when she smelled it. In fact, a lot of the other ladies said that they, like, passed it around and all were like, oh, oh, like, oh, I could never drink. The- oh, no, I would never. Just like, ladies, just be nice. Just be nice. Just say yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's not very nice. No, how rude. <laughs> like, she brings a bottle of liquor she's really excited about and all that they do or they're like, ew, this smells gross. Like, what the hell? Like, just take, just take a shot yeah. of it. Relax, you know. But, like, I don't know. That's my liquor of choice if I'm taking a shot would be tequila. So, Tam, I would be excited to drink your tequila. Not the worms, though. I'm, I'm going to do that. But So, I, I thought that was weird. But maybe they're not tequila people. That's okay. Yeah. I did read that a lot of them were drinking blueberry vodka and Sprite, which also sounds good. So, they yeah, partied all night. Sweet. Yeah. They had gumbo. They had a bunch of, like, football food, like, just appetizers and snacks. And they just kind of, like, mingled. Some ladies were watching football. Some ladies were just talking. And, like, from what I've read, Tam was just kind of going around and talking to every group of people and Mm -hmm. having a good time hanging out with women for for once. So Yeah, she seems super social. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, this was supposed to be a ladies-only party. But there were some men in attendance. Sean's boyfriend, Jose, was there. Um, He said that he, like, wasn't feeling great and just didn't really want to do much to, like, go out and watch the game. So he just wanted to watch it in the basement. Sounds like it was a huge house. So the basement, Mm -hmm. like, they weren't together at all. And also one of the woman's husbands, uh, who was it? Stacy. Sean? Was that his name? Uh, Stacy and Tom. Tom. Mm -hmm. So also Stacy's husband, Tom, was there because Stacy actually had a baby shower for her sister earlier that day, which she left to come over to Jean's party. And then Tom quickly realized that all the baby shower women were still in his home. And he perhaps didn't <laughs> want to be there. So he came, he reached out to Jose and Jose was like, yeah, it's fine. Come watch the game in the basement with me. So there were there were two men there for like at least the first half of the football game. They were down in the basement watching it themselves. They said they were like flipping through different games and just kind of watching a bunch of them. Because again, nobody was really an LSU fan except for Jean. So they were just watching a bunch. And then at halftime, they came upstairs and in Sean's interview, she said that they noticed that there was food and they never left after that. <laughs> Which, like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Football food. I love football parties mm-hmm. just for the food. Me, so. me too. Yeah, I, w- I would stay. And it doesn't seem like anyone was upset about it. Like, everyone commented no, it on doesn't. it. But yeah. nobody, like, I'm sure by halftime, they'd all had several drinks and were like, cool, yeah, let's let's eat. So, no big deal. And that group photo that I mentioned... And that you should be looking at, dear listener, pull it up, that was taken on the couch. Um, that was taken at halftime, apparently, which is what Madeline said, because she actually took that picture. 
So she said that Bridget, the gal on the far end on her computer, wanted to take it. And she was like, no, no, no. I got to get a picture with everyone in. So that's when that now iconic photo was taken. Mm-hmm. And also during or around halftime, Madeline said that Tam and, quote, I believe her name might have been Margie or Molly or something. So I bet it was Marcy were down in her apartment pilfering the last of her ice before the guys went to go get more. Both of the (laughs) men did state in their interviews that as soon as they came upstairs, they were like, great, you're here. Could you go get ice for us, please? So they went to go get that while Tam and Marcy were downstairs in Madeline's apartment taking the rest of her ice out of... And she, like, describes that she was, like, horrified that she didn't have any ice to provide. She just had a tray and was like, here, ladies, you can have my, like, last tray. And I'm like, Madeline, it's okay. Like, they're coming back with a bag of ice. Like, you could tell that They'll she make was it. like... Yeah, they yeah. Wa- she just wanted to be hospitable and, like, talk to these women and yada yada. And she had said that... She recalls Tam and Marcy having a conversation about how they were both from Florida and they didn't want to get rid of their Florida driver's license because they loved Disney World and didn't want to give up the discount that you get for being a Florida resident. Huh. Which I did not know was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing either. And witnessing That would be a pretty big deal, though. Right. Disney World is expensive. If you were going there a lot, I would certainly would not want to give up that discount either, so... I can see why they bonded over that, but that's just, like, one of many examples of how Tam could, like, find something that she had in common with everyone there and, like, Mm -hmm. have a fun conversation with them. And I should also mention that during this halftime conversation that Madeline witnessed, she said that Tam didn't seem drunk at all. She was Mm -hmm. making another drink. She said she thinks she was drinking vodka and water, which it was actually tequila and water. It's okay, Madeline, if you don't know your liquor bottles. No big deal. So this party goes on all night. Every single person says that they are having fun. Uh, the party was fun other than the bad football. It was actually a blowout. LSU lost 0 to 29. Huh. And like and several people cited that Jen was pretty drunk, which were just minor things that happened at a party like, "Oh, the football sucks." Like we've been to football parties where the Packers lose hard and you're like, "Rats." And like some people it really kills the mood, whatever. Yeah, it is a theme that keeps coming up, though, that Tam, everybody says Tam wasn't that drunk or she didn't seem that drunk. Mm-mm. Everyone says Jen was drunk. Every, yes, everyone says Jen was drunk, but that Tam was holding her own. Like she didn't, she wasn't slurring. She wasn't mm-hmm. stumbling. She seemed completely fine. Yeah, no one seems to shy away from the fact that she drank most of that bottle of tequila on her own, mm-hmm. which like some reports I read said like maybe someone else had a shot with her at a different time but it sounded like she was really the only tequila drinker but that like you said she was fine she was holding it she was not the annoying drunk person at the party no her family did also say that she did drink a lot she usually drank hard liquor and that Mm. she could keep up with a lot of people so to me that implies that even though maybe her blood alcohol level was getting higher she wasn't showing signs of that on the outside even if things on the inside were mm-hmm. you know which is interesting going downhill. once we get to the point where i where we do talk about her blood alcohol because yeah i yeah, would so not have been in that yeah <laughs> let's hold that i would not be at this point walking and talking and conversing the party finally started to wind down around 1 30 in the morning 
The lady said, I'll figure it out bedrooms to stay in. Like, this was a huge selling point of this birthday party was that John's kids were with their dad, so they had bedrooms for everyone to stay in. And this was, again, like, a really big deal. Like, all the ladies could come out, they could have as much fun as they wanted, and they'd all have a bedroom to sleep in. And it's not even, like... You know, like, one of the things that I've noticed as we are getting old is that now it seems strange to have a friend over and they just have to sleep on your couch. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you want to like have a place to put someone. Yeah, you want to have, like, a bed at least, or at least, like, a pull-out sofa for your friends. And that was one of the things that when I, like, realized that, I was like, oh, no, I'm getting old, aren't I? Like, oh, I want to sleep <laughs> in a bed. Because you remember... I mean, you were not the party or I was, but I remember just sleeping on anyone's floor or couch or like climbing <laughs> in bed with them. It didn't even matter. Like any floor space, like I'll take it. It doesn't, it's no big deal. But in this house, they had bedrooms for everyone. And Tam had expressed an interest in sleeping in the same room as Stacy, as her and Stacy were pretty good friends. Actually, they had been friends. Her, Their sons had played football together for all five years that Tam had lived there. So they oh, had known oh. each other for a long time. I, I That coincided well. I had found that her and Stacy had been friends for five years, but then you tied it together with knowing that that's how long that Tam lived there. Mm-hmm. So I assume like the whole time their kids have been playing football together, they've yeah. been friends. And Tam was like, Stacy, I want to sleep in the same bedroom as you. And again, her husband Tom was there and he's like, no, no, like I'm going to take her to bed. Like we'll have this room. You can have the room right across the hall from us. And Tam's like, okay. Well, if I can't sleep with you, our phones will sleep together. So she took both of their phones and put them like on a hallway table together. Which mm-hmm. again, I'm like, oh, I would totally, drug me would totally do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> our phones will cuddle then and like put them like face together, you know? <laughs> and Stacey does remember grabbing her phone from that table in the morning where both of their phones still were. And she was like, oh, good. Tam did stay over. Like, that's great. I'm glad she's still here. Just thought she was sleeping in the room next to him, grabbed her phones and left. Still later that night, Bridget called her husband to come pick her up and said that Tam walked her to the door. And timestamps from the security system on the home show that the front door opened and closed at 1.47 a.m. So that's when Bridget left. Yeah. Did you see the, like, the screenshot of this? Oh, yeah. It's in my notes right here. Yeah. I think it's really cool. And now I kind of want a security system like this. It's definitely fascinating. And also, like... <laughs> It tells us a lot, and it tells us nothing. Right. So why yeah, don't you, you think- get into that? <laughs> oh, well, I certainly will. So two minutes later, after Bridget leaves, the back door opens. And the back door was the door off the first floor that then went out onto that now balcony. And then one minute later, at 1.50 a.m., it closes. Then again, at 1.57 a.m., the back door opens again. But there's no record showing that it ever closed. Okay, so let's talk this through. Your friend leaves. I think she just went Bridget that night, but the last person awake at the party leaves. You're in this home alone now, and you're like, cool. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette, and then I'm going to go to sleep. Sounds totally normal. So 1.49, she opens the back door. She walks out onto the balcony. Maybe she's like, oh, it's cold. They're like, oh, shit, I forgot my smoke. So she goes back in like a minute or less later. So the door opens and then closes again. Now, it's worth to mention here that her family thought it was weird that she wasn't wearing a coat if she did go Mm -hmm. out to smoke Mm -hmm. a cigarette. Because, again, she was an island girl 
and she could not like was notorious for not being able to stand any amount of cold and it was kind of cold that night yeah it was november in georgia i did it not was go in so the far. 40s oh yeah, you did look I went it up so far good. yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad one of us went so far I did go so far as to pull up, like, the 2018 LSU schedule to confirm what time the game started, and they were right. But, okay, in the 40s. Oh, yeah. So you totally, like, pull on a light coat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely brisk. And it's, I mean, I wore a dress today with just socks, and it was in the 40s, but we are from a different place. Yeah, that was after a whole winter. Yes. Yeah, now it's hot when it gets to 44. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I bet Tam was really cold, so maybe she went out. And was like, woo, chilly, and like came back in to grab her coat. And so she came back in to grab whatever it was she forgot. She wasn't wearing her coat. So if that was it, she didn't find it. Or maybe, yeah, or it, maybe it was a lighter or like. Yeah, I'm trying to think like, was. what would you forget that it would take you seven minutes to find? Maybe she was looking for a lighter. Maybe she's looking for her cigarettes. Maybe she's looking for both those things. You know, she had put them at random places at the home. I am really good mm-hmm. at spreading my belongings all around someone's home immediately. So I could see myself <laughs> taking seven minutes to be like, where did I put that? And where's my coat? All right, never mind. Screw the coat. Like, I'll go back out. So seven minutes later, she goes back out. And again, the door was never closed after that. Now, I'm just going to keep moving here through the timeline. Of course, mm-hmm. we're going to come back to this moment of time at 1.57 a.m. The front door opens again at 4.10 when Marcy leaves to go to work. She actually got up really early herself and drove herself home as she had gone to bed earlier and wanted to get home to get ready for work. Then uh, 7.45, Paula leaves. And around 8.30, Stacy and Tom leave. And about that same time, uh, Jean's cousin Madeline got up and she went to dump the coffee grounds out to make her morning coffee. You know, she opens the coffee maker, she takes the grounds over to the garbage can. Garbage can is by the windows that look out over the backyard. And Hmm. as she looked up, she saw Tam's pajamas. And she was like, huh, did that crazy girl sleep outside? You know, her first instinct was like, oh, girls, like, what did they, what did they get into? Like, what's she doing out there? And she's like, oh, is she just sleeping? Like, she kind of looks out goes to turn around and like make her coffee and then is like "Mm, doesn't feel right goes out and looks again oh and she said that she jean said that madeline turned around splashed some water on her face said a prayer and then went to go look again because she thought she was seeing things sadly she was not seeing things and she was again greeted with the eerie sight of a body laying face down so she ran upstairs to get jean and jose Madeline says in her interview that she actually knocked on the door twice, once immediately after seeing her the first time, and she does mention, like, turning around and saying a prayer because it was startling, and, mm-hmm. she ran, and, she, and she ran upstairs and knocked on the door, and she thought she heard water running, so she's like, okay, maybe one of them's in the shower, so she ran back downstairs, peered outside again, and yep, and then she saw exactly what she didn't want to be seeing. And ran back upstairs again and knocked louder. Now, this sequence takes place in, like, just a couple minutes. Just as long as it yeah, would take for you. Yeah, she's pretty frantic, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it would only take just as long as you would take to go up the stairs two times and knock. And Jose does say this in his interview, that he remembers hearing both knocks. He heard, like, he was just waking up and he heard, like, a really faint knock and kind of turned to Jean and was like, is somebody knocking? And then it stopped and they were like, huh. And then heard it again, like 
on the stairs, like someone else had mentioned, like, oh, maybe one of the kids got home because they were running up the stairs. And then the second, like, loud, frantic knocking. At that second knock, Jean opened the door and Jose was sitting up in bed and Madeline says, I want to talk to Jose. I need him to come downstairs with me. And Jean is like, what's what's wrong? Like they they all say that Madeline looked like really frantic. She looked really scared. Like immediately they knew something was wrong. And Madeline was like, your friend, your friend from the islands. She's laying in the backyard and she's not moving. And they run downstairs like they just Jose says he just throws on some clothes, runs downstairs. And as soon as they see her, Jean's already calling 911 because they know something's wrong. So they call 911 at 8.59 a.m. Now, the 911 call is weird. It's long. It's definitely long, yeah. Should we play it? I think that would be good. My friends, let's listen let's to do it. it. Okay. We're having a one. Hi, yes. Um, I, I need an ambulance. I'm a kid. Can I call? What's the address? Four four five zero Woodlake Court. Four four five zero Woodlake. Woodlet. Woodlet. Okay. All right. Forty four fifty Woodlet Court. What is your name? My name is John Myers. J E A N N E. Okay. And your phone number six zero nine. Yes. Okay. What's going on? Um. We had people over last night when we were drinking. Most of us went to bed. One of them stayed on the balcony. She was drinking, and we just went out outside, and she's laying face down in the backyard. It looks like me. I'm guessing maybe she fell off the balcony, but she's stiff. Okay. Is she breathing? I, I don't. I don't know if she's face down. Okay. How, how old is she? At 41. Here, hold on. Hey, this is Jose Barrera. Hey, have y'all checked to see if she's breathing? She's not moving one bit. She's not breathing. Um, I just tried to assess her Tesla. She's completely face down in the yard. Um, she is stiff. Okay. Do you know if she, um, uh, do you see any blood or anything? Where she Um, you know, like my girlfriend said, we were over last night. <clears throat> um, 
Christians, her birthday party, we're not the woman that we believe to be deceased, but my girlfriend's birthday party, instead of having everybody go out, she had everyone go in. And she was the last one I saw before everybody, I mean, everybody was typically put off the bed. She was the last one in the kitchen. She was just either waiting around for a ride or waiting until the morning. Okay. How far is the, um, where she would have fell from? How far is the deck from the ground? Um, I would probably say...
and does he need to come well, like, and go through the house, or does he need to walk around the back? Um, they they can go around to the to the side. I'm gonna grab my shoes and then I'll direct them when they get here. No, it, it it'll be easier for them because she's laying in the yard down basically on the patio downstairs. What are your initial impressions off that? My thoughts on the 911 call. Um, the first time I listened through it, I thought that the brakes were really weird. Like, did he mute the phone? But then I realized that was just blocked. Like, that wasn't Jose blocking that off. That was, like, actually edited out. Because yeah, everything what I goes thought. silent. Right. Like, there isn't any more, like, click, 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 click of and like the background uh-huh. phones ringing of the 911 center so mm-hmm. or the dispatch center so that i don't, uh, what I would don't be know. redacted in that area is it it sounds like that's when he approached her body uh, yeah in his interview he said that he did like touch her twice the first time was when they had first found her you know in between those couple minutes between 8:45 and 8:59 when they called 911 he like went over there and put a hand on her back and was like, Tam, hey, Tam, Tam, are you okay? You know, like, yeah. you would do if you found a person unresponsive on the ground after a party. Like, you kind of just touch them and be like, yo, hey, hey, wake up. And yeah. then he said the second time was when he was on the phone with 911. And that sounds like when that long silence was. And what Jose says in his interview was that he went back and he tried to move her leg a little bit. And her knee just didn't bend like you would anticipate it doing. So huh. that's when he was like, "Nope." Yeah, not, and not the first thing the nine one one dispatcher says is, "Is there blood anywhere else?" Or she she mentioned something about blood, mm-hmm. which to me indicates that he was kind of saying like what the scene he was telling the nine one one dispatcher where he saw blood, mm-hmm. and she they did they take that out because that's evidence they don't want. You know, they don't want the whole world knowing exactly oh. what the scene looked like. Yeah, maybe. That definitely could be. It's it's a really weird time to be completely redacted, but I agree. I've heard a lot of hate on the internet of, like, you should get arrested if you mute a 911 call. And, like, I just don't think that's what happened. Like, clearly they... Yeah, I don't either. They, like, redacted her phone number, but not her home address, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> which I then used to obviously look at a house on Zillow. It's gorgeous. It just sold. It yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> you looked it up too, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I was like, wait, how did I found this? Oh, the 911 call. Yeah, you're right. It did just sell. Jose really kind of reads like someone who's totally nonplussed about what's going on. Yeah. He did work in law enforcement. Correct. And you can kind of hear that in his verbiage of like when they arrive at the residence or when he says his her age, she's like, oh, she's 40. She's a black female. Like, yes, he's straight to the facts. And that also has gotten a lot of hate. I also believe that if I were to ever call 911 in a strenuous circumstance, I would get the same kind of hate because I can be (laughs) very blunt and to the point to where people that I love in my life had had to remind me 
that words can hurt. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, yes, I need to be tactful of my tone. And you can tell like Jose was just there to do a job, like to get the point across of what was happening. Jean yeah. handed him the phone because she was like, here, please help. Like you have a more level head than I do in this circumstance. Yeah, so I think all of those things are very normal, even his, mm-hmm. like, pacing back and forth and his, he wasn't always answering questions exactly what the 911 dispatcher was asking. Like, right. do you want them to go around the back? And he was like, there's four cars in the driveway. Hang on, I got to get my shoes on. Yeah. And, like, he's, you know, processing things. I felt like that all, we've listened to a lot of 911 calls. Mm-hmm. That didn't actually seem that strange to me. It really didn't. No, it sounded like someone who, they just woke up. And this is the news yeah. that they're greeted to when they just wake up and like you're awake for 10 minutes and then you're you have a phone in your hand and you're talking to 911. And you work in law enforcement. So you mm-hmm. feel like you're you might just automatically transition into work mode. Absolutely. Even his comment about like we can look at the tapes. That sounded to me like he was saying like all of us, the police and us like I'm mm-hmm. part of the police. We can all look at the tapes. Right. Because that also got a lot of hate that comment Mm -hmm. we can check the tapes was like well why why aren't the police checking the tapes why do you get to check the tapes because you're not black and you're a white guy and you get to check the tapes Mm -hmm. and i definitely heard it like we can check the tapes being like hey sue or whatever the dispatch name lady or whatever the dispatch lady's name was hey sue like we can check the tapes I'm, I also work for law enforcement. Like, this mm-hmm. is my job. I'm one of you. Yeah, it sounded like he was kind of grasping for an explanation and landed on, I don't know, there's tape. Maybe we can check these tapes and see what happened. Yeah. So I totally agree with you that it's a weird call. Like, the silence is weird. That kind of makes it strange. What really stood out to me the most was that, I don't know if I will regret saying this later because I know her case was just reopened. Spoiler alert. But what made Jose believable to me in that phone call was that he didn't know her full name. And you can hear Jean in the background telling him her name. And then the dispatcher has already moved on. But he comes back and is like, okay, her name is Tam. And then he spells her last name. Because like when I sent out Christmas cards this year, I was astonished at how many of my friends, I did not know their last names. And for him to have met... She's, this is the second time he's met Tam. Yeah. Of course he doesn't know her last name. It's his girlfriend's friend. That was a really humanizing moment for me, was for him to be like, oh, geez, her name is Tam. Maybe that stands for Tammy. Maybe it stands for Tamara, which, like, both were wrong. How would he know that? He only ever heard her be called Tam. Yeah, like, he's just trying to give information. And then, like, you can hear him turn away from the phone and talk to Jean. You can hear Jean in the back room giving him information. And then you hear him come back and like, here's the information I have. Yeah. He does mention a couple times that she was stiff. And I thought it was interesting that even saying that word like that to me gives a different impression than the 911 dispatcher saying, oh, can you go check if she's still breathing? And he's like, nah, girl, she's stiff. Yeah. And I looked, I I had to look up um, how long it takes for rigor mortis to set in. Nobody look at my search history. Like, please. But it does say um, for rigor mortis, it takes around one to six hours, usually two to four. They found her at 830 in the morning. You know, say she fell off the balcony, say she was pushed off the balcony, say she unfortunately passed away, maybe around 2 a.m., maybe 230. 
But yeah, at that point, like, that definitely would be long enough for her to be stiff, which I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that happened that fast. And now I'm extra I horrified. either. I know. The David, my husband, he butchers. I had asked him about rigor mortis. Like, that's not right, is it? Like, mm-hmm. his body's beat that fast and he was stuck in that position yeah and the david was like oh yeah like absolutely and i was so surprised so yeah i had to look it up yeah like two to four hours i'm guessing Mm -hmm. more closer to four for her because she was outside it was it wasn't hot out like it was nighttime in the winter that was a weird like he wasn't he knew she had passed away yeah he sounds very clear on that he even was like well i'm not gonna put i don't want to move her mm-hmm. like he can you is she still breathing and you could tell that he was hesitant it's like uh yeah he didn't check like he didn't want to and i'm which trying i feel like also is good like that's good right he was not wanting to mess up the scene we look at john benet's dad and we're like how could you pick her up yeah, and then we look at jose and we're so like why didn't that. you pick her up right yeah you can't <laughs> do anything right when someone in your life passes away which like okay yeah that's fine but Speaking of messing with the scene, here is a point of contention in this case, is that when the cops came, there is a very crude drawing that the cops made. It is a stick figure drawing. Yes. Of the the scene. You saw it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. I knew you know where I was going with this. So her, in the cops drawing, her left arm is above her head and her right arm is down at her side. Friends listening, I wish you could see how I'm holding my arms right now, but not how sweaty I am. But when John and Jose found her, they both state that both of her arms were by her sides. And here's a quote from Jean's interview because the cops actually bring this up directly in her interview. And this is um, Officer Michael Christian. We'll get to you, Officer <laughs> Christian. Put a pin in that too. There's uh-huh. a lot of pins. Like yeah. a pin cushion going on. Do you have all your pins, friends at home? Yeah. So. Mike Christian is another one, but he asked John, do you remember, and this has become a point of contention, when you were out there, her arms were by her side, and John says, both arms were down by her side, and that's why I know it's those two other women that are saying it, because they said they spoke to the detectives, and her arm was up here in a position to brace itself. It was not, because that image is burned into my head, because the best way I could phrase it is, it almost looked like she face-planted, because I'm like... I never imagined someone landing with her toes like almost pointed. So from what Jose and Jean describe, Tam was literally face down, like face into the dirt, both her arms by her side, like she had just tripped and fallen straight forward. And I can't imagine how fucking creepy that would be to come across yeah no matter where her hands were if her face was straight down into the dirt because even your drunk friend passing out they'll pass out anywhere they'll pass out upside down on a couch like half on this half on that but never completely face down into the dirt and like several people have brought that up I saw that one thing and I knew like the stomach dropped I knew something was wrong and that seems to be what Jose is trying to portray in his 911 call. He seems confident that she is deceased at that time. But obviously the 911 operator is still trying to take him through like, you know, check if she's still breathing, check of this, you know, check that. And he's like, Mm-mm, no. Yeah. I think the sight that he probably saw in front of him was like way more startling. Yeah. And way more indicative. So 
Jose estimates on the call that it was about 20 feet from the top of the balcony. Looked it up. Uh, it appears to be almost 15, so it was pretty close. It was 14 feet, 10 and a half inches from the top of the balcony to the ground. We'll assume it was one story, or like the second yeah. story. I think a standard ceiling is 8 to 10 feet. Okay. So it's probably like a tall ceiling. It, oh, again, we siloed it. It was an immaculate, gorgeous home. I bet those were f- probably 14-foot ceilings. Yeah, the basement definitely looked like vaulted mm-hmm. ceilings, which I feel like is common in Georgia. I have a lot of family in Georgia, and yeah. I feel like vaulted ceilings in the basement is pretty common. Hmm. So, so it's pretty maybe far. Maybe because of the heat, that makes sense. Heat rises. Got to keep it cool in there. Got to keep it cool in the house. Yeah, that's true. And several people, now that you say it, had actually mentioned that it was really warm in the house. And they kept, like, Mm -hmm. opening the balcony door to, like, go out there. So, like, several people who weren't smokers still saw Tam out on the balcony smoking because they're like, God, it was so hot in there. I had to get outside. (laughs) Huh. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. So now let's let's talk about um, how Tam was found and, like, what was found in her system. So we had alluded to her blood alcohol content before. And according to her autopsy report, her blood alcohol content was a 0.238. Now, for reference, the legal limit in almost every state for driving is 0.08. Yeah. So she was very far over that legal limit. That's okay. That's no big deal. She knew she wasn't going to go home. That's totally fine. But 0.238, let me just read you a description of like the blood alcohol content levels. 0.200 is where most people begin to experience blackouts. And 0.300 is where many people lose consciousness. So she was in the severe impairment range, which would be like your speech, your memory, your coordination is affected. You're definitely not safe to drive at all. Yeah. Like your, your judgment, your decision making is impaired. You're probably vomiting and like showing other signs of alcohol poisoning. And like you may lose consciousness in this range. And as we had said, Tam seemed fine. So this could be that she, you know, kind of was an experienced drinker. She knew how to hold her alcohol. It can also be that even when you stop drinking, your blood alcohol content is still going to rise. Yeah, she might mm-hmm. still have alcohol in her stomach that her body's still processing. Some people said, oh, she seemed fine. She wasn't slurring her words at all. Mm-hmm. There could still be a lot to process at that point. Right. So like even if she, if she didn't pass away for an hour or so after she had stopped drinking, her blood alcohol level would continue to rise through that point. So yeah. this is... This is really high, though. This is very high. Like, this is really drunk. It it seems like it would be hard to get yourself that drunk. I mean, maybe not. Yeah, people do it. They do. We live in yeah. a state where that's, like, what we're known for, so I know they do. And I bet I, I bet I could do it if I was having a girl's night in my cool pajamas. Yeah, but you don't need to. I don't. No I'm, I, all I'm trying to stress is, like, I'm not hated on Tam at all for drinking at this party. Yeah. Not in the least. Like, they had it so covered where they would all stay there. It would be a different story if she were, like, planning to drive home. Now, to that point, a couple friends had mentioned that that night, Tam was, like, right as they're going to bed. She had been like, yeah, I feel fine. Like, maybe I'll just go home. And they're all like, no, 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 stay here. And she's like, yeah, okay, I'll stay here. So it was... Just the passing, like, I bet she missed her family or maybe felt yeah. weird for being away she from them. She thought she was going to get to share room with Stacy, and then Tom yeah. was there. Come she on, was Tom. like, what? Well, fine, maybe yeah. I'll just go home. And they're like, no, please stay. So that's why when Stacy saw her phone in the morning, she was like, oh, good, she stayed here. And, like, a couple other women had, like, yeah. mentioned that conversation and were like, I was just really nervous she was going to leave. 
And what really broke my heart was that several of these women had mentioned, like, maybe it would have been better if she left. Like, I just Aww. wanted her to be safe. And clearly, this wasn't it. And like, that really yeah. hit me hard was like, they were just trying to protect her and keep her there. Because somebody had told her point blank, you'll be safer there. And then had to eat those words the next day. Yeah, Oof. that would be hard. Yeah, it just sounds... The whole thing makes me just... So there were some other things found in her system. A couple people had mentioned that Tam had smoked a little weed while she was there. Again, no hate. No hate at all coming from me on this. Like, she brought her own little bag of weed and, like, smoked it on the balcony. Literally everyone who says it says she smoked weed one time. And that was, like, right when she got there, sometime between when she got there and halftime, that she had gone on the porch and, like, smoked a little weed, and, like, that was it. Nobody said it was a big deal. Nobody seemed to be upset about it. Some people were like, ah, ha, ha. I read that Jose asked her not to smoke anymore because he was like, oh, like, I work Mm -hmm. for the county. Like, could could we not have this here, though? Like, could we not be doing this? Yeah. But it didn't seem like it was an argument. It didn't seem like anything other than like, oh, I could get in a lot of trouble. If like, I were at a party with weed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's actually, in John's interview, she mentioned this because she was asked directly, the cops had asked everyone, you know, what did you see her drinking? Did you see her do any other drugs at all? And at one point, the cops said, we're not the dope police. Which kind of made me giggle because, like, aren't you? But <laughs> aren't you? Are you, who is the dope police? But uh, what the point they're trying to make is like we're here for a murder, not to find out who smoked weed or a suspicious death. I get that. So, in John's interview, she had she was also asked if Tamla had smoked weed, and she says, "Yeah, I know she did because she went out on the balcony and quote fussed at her." At first, she was, like, semi-teasing her, like, come on, girl, have you lost your mind? Like, Jose's down here. He would not be okay with this because he's in law enforcement, like you mentioned. And Sean says she even told Tamla, like, don't get me in a fight over this dumb shit. But then later goes on to say that Jose, quote, thinks we're too old for this. Which I want to bring up specifically because Jean, it was her 45th birthday. Mm-hmm. Jose is 27. I'm not hating on this age gap yeah. relationship. I just want to point out that Jean is not too old for Jose to date, but she's apparently too old to smoke weed. Okay, bro. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Like, all right, sure. Okay. We're too old. You're 27, dude. And you're ripping on your oh, too old. I just, that really like rubbed me the wrong way. So Madeline was also very upfront about the tea, like the the weed smoking, because she said that she she actually brought it up at the end of her interview when they're like, is there anything else that you think we need to know? And she said that she, you know, she saw Tam smoking weed around halftime because she said to try to conceal anything would be so deceitful and I wouldn't be able to lay my head on the pillow tonight. So naturally, like there was some of that found in her system. Yeah. And there was also a trace amount of Alprazolam, which is the generic term for Xanax. Yeah. That's, that is interesting because nobody should have a prescription for Xanax. Nobody saw her take any Xanax. It was a very, very small amount. In fact, on the report, it says, quote, lower than the lowest calibrator of 25 micrograms a liter. So I don't, it sounds like it was not a lot, but when I did give a goog to ensure that Xanax was indeed what Alprazolam was, it said that Xanax can cause paranoid or suicidal ideation and impair memory, judgment, and coordination. Combining with other substances, particularly alcohol, can slow breathing and possibly lead to death. 
I don't think she had enough Xanax in her system for that to happen. Yeah, I have on the AmericanAddictionCenters.org, their page on Xanax mixing with alcohol. Mm. They talked about taking too much of one or both of these drugs can shut down the areas in the brain and the individual can stop breathing, which can be fatal. Wow. And so according to them, even a small amount of mixing them, they they said very clearly, like, it's okay to mix these. It's fine to mix these. There's no issue in mixing these as long as it's done where both of them are under control. Like if uh-huh. one of them gets out of hand, then the combination can be more fatal. Hmm. I really wonder how she got that in her system because it's never mentioned. I read somewhere that Jean had a prescription for it. Did but she? That she? Yeah, but that she didn't give any. Like hmm. she was very oblivious to it. She had no like. Because I could totally see like you're winding down for the night. You have a Xanax prescription. You're like, oh, you're still really riled up. Here, let me give you one quarter of a Xanax. This will knock you out and you'll go to sleep. Yeah, I did play that kind of in my head Mm -hmm. as a scenario. Or like, Tam's, what if she's going to drive home? Like, let's keep her safe by putting this so that she goes to bed. Because she wanted to stay up. She kept trying to convince everybody to stay up. She She, at this point at like one o'clock when everybody saw her for the last time between one and one thirty, she was like, you guys can't go to bed. Like, this is my only night out. Like, we have to stay up. Yeah, I think that's when she said, like, I just want to hang out with women. And I was like, oh, my heart. Yeah. (laughs) So that to me was like the most logical explanation of the Xanax in her system. Like, were they trying to, like, keep her safe? Like she had mentioned driving home and they're all mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, we want to go to bed. I don't know. Here, take the Xanax. Why would you not mention that though? If all of them, um, okay, not everyone says she smoked weed. A ton of people were like, I don't know. I never went on the balcony. I didn't see anything on the balcony. But the couple of people that were, were like, yeah, I think I saw her smoke weed one time or I saw her smoking cigarettes. Why would you not be like, oh yeah, we gave her a quarter of a Xanax at night so she could sleep. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely not founded on anything. It's just trying to like come to a conclusion. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm just talking through these things to think like, Jam, if I were going to talk about her smoking weed, I'd probably be like, yeah, I gave her a quarter of a Xanax. Like, or were they so afraid that like, oh, the cops are going to get me for distributing medication. But like, no, they're not. They're here to solve a crime. That would like add additional reasoning or like explanation to this awful thing that happened. So I think it's weird that not a single person mentioned it and it wasn't something that she would have done on her own. Yeah, I definitely don't think it would have been the whole group deciding it together. I think it could have been one or two individuals being Mm -hmm. like, let's just do this so that we can go to bed and feel. Or like maybe one of them took Xanax to sleep and we're just like, here you go. Like crack yeah. theirs in half and they're like, here, you can have the other half and now yeah. you'll sleep like a babe. Yeah, and then didn't mention it because if you gave somebody a half of your pill and then they died, would you like go to the cops and be like, ugh, so about that? Because yes. I like, just completely honest, yes, I probably I would. wouldn't. I would be so really? scared. <laughs> no, I totally would. We're always in like contradiction. Like, I know. <laughs> That's why I like this. Because I'd absolutely be like, oh my God, I gave her half a Xanax. I didn't think I'd kill her. I just think she'd go to sleep. <laughs> I wanted her to just sleep well. Yeah, I'd be a fucking nervous wreck and yeah. I'd have to run there and be like, I didn't mean to. I might I might eventually tell them, but my mm-hmm. first gut reaction would be like, keep this to yourself. Just cram girl. it deep down. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's the only one that stands out to me, but it's such a small amount that it's kind of hard to kind of make that the reason for anything. So weird. Xanax mystery aside. 
I, like unfortunately I couldn't find anything more about that nobody talked about it doesn't seem yeah. like uh, I don't know and of course there's there's theories out there of like oh they drugged her to either like get her to shut up and go to bed or to like murder her or take advantage of her in some way but like yeah wouldn't you have more Xanax in your system than like the lowest lower than the lowest calibrator that your autopsy can measure you think that would be a lot yeah, that's why, to me, the logical explanation is that it was given to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Like, not in any sort of, I want to hurt this person, but just right. like... And maybe she just had a small amount and it, like, hadn't fully processed yet within her body if she just took it before she that's was going to go to bed. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel that way about the alcohol, where I bet that was exasperated just by time going on. Because, of yeah. course, her blood alcohol is going to go up as the night goes on, even if she stopped drinking at you know, 1230, one o'clock, whatever. But maybe the Xanax, if she just took it, someone gave it to her before she was going to go to bed. She went out to smoke a cigarette, never came back in. Maybe that Xanax just didn't have enough time to like really absorb into her system. Yeah. I don't know. Everything that I could say on that is with a question mark at the end. Uh huh. So let's look at like the physical injuries that she had to her person. Now, when I was reading her autopsy report, I was at Dr. Science's house, and he has a roommate right now who is a labor and delivery nurse. And so I was, of course, reading the autopsy out loud, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Tell me what this means. And it was so helpful. So he kind of helped me to differentiate this. And so I have, like, some of his comments interspersed throughout. So she had abrasions on her face. And she had bleeding and hemorrhages in uh, many layers of her brain. The back of her neck was broken, but not the front. So like the back cervical spine was fractured, but the front part was still together and her actual like brain stem was still intact. So as I was reading this to who I will now call local nurse, I said, you know, if, if you fell face first, with your chin on the ground, which would be how she could be face first. Could this snap just the back of your neck, but not the front? And his quote I really liked, he said, you never really know what's going to happen, state's local nurse. It's just kind of a miracle that we're all functioning. It's very true, <laughs> which, local nurse. Yeah, which I think, like, really, because I'd asked him several questions, like, oh, if you fell 14 feet, could you die? And he was like, uh, maybe? And, like, everything that I asked, like, if you fell this, like, could you get a laceration on your heart? And he was like, well, maybe. And, like, it kind of seems like a lot of this is just a big maybe. So I thought his quote of it's just a it's kind of a miracle that we're all functioning was very apropos of that like it's not there's no like surefire way to tell what injuries you're going to get from anything. So yeah. keep that in mind as as we read through these. So as I mentioned she had a laceration of the right ventricle of the heart which is pretty strange. Like how would your heart get lacerated? It was just essentially like an open cut in her heart. How would that happen if there's no trauma on the outside? But there are some theories that like if you were to fall for a while, your body would stop before your organs stopped. So hypothetically, your organs could and such. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it could, you know, science could smash against your rib cage. So he asked me if there were any injuries to her ribs. Well, were any of her ribs broken? Like that could be why her heart was lacerated and I couldn't find that anywhere. But that doesn't mean that's not what it is caused from. And then I also kind of fell into a hole of reading like car accident 
injury reports and like other things that have led to heart lacerations and there was a lot of either blunt force trauma or like car accidents or like other kind of accidents that led to no external injuries on the chest but still like heart injuries yeah which i thought was really interesting and it just made me like really aware that we're just like a sack of stuff and we like are a meat we coating sure. yeah yeah <laughs> so could be that she had also dislocated her right wrist she had cuts or abrasions on both legs on her left arm on her right wrist and on her left hand truly she was kind of cut up and it wasn't like deep cuts it was more like abrasions which is like Mm -hmm. she had scrapes all over her body which could be consistent if you fell i think that's strange like if you just like fell straight down to get cuts everywhere on your body i can see how your wrist would be dislocated especially if it's down at your side like a broken nose or broken teeth yeah like you're completely face down in the bot in in the ground and your body's a little bit cut up which is weird like how would your legs get a cut and not your nose yeah i don't know enough to know the answer to that question but to me an uneducated person it sounds weird yeah I did look into a couple of like clinical studies on deaths from falling. Mm. Really weird, like really weird thing to start studying because <laughs> nobody look at our search histories. <laughs> yeah. Who knew there was so much information out there? Oh, yeah. And it's such a wide variety of injuries that you could sustain while falling. It is because there's so many different, you know, did you fall onto rocks? Did you fall right. onto, I don't want to say it all because it's just like gives you horrible pictures in your mind. Uh-huh. But um But yeah, they definitely said that um, laceration to the heart is common. Hmm. So is her, um, the vertebrae that broke her C2 vertebrae. That is, I guess, called the hangman's vertebrae. Yeah, I did see that. It comes from like falls and and hanging. Yeah. It could also come from blunt force to the head. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so weird that she has so many internal injuries, not a whole lot on the external, except for some, like, superficial wounds. Yeah, it seemed like just a lot and of superficial wrist, wounds. Mm-hmm. Like, her wrist was definitely um, more substantial. The wrist makes sense, because I feel like if your hands are down at your sides, your hands don't have a lot of leeway to bend backwards. So if you were to land with your, like, wrist facing down, I feel like it would break right away. So that one kind yeah. of makes sense, but she's just she's just kind of scraped up, which isn't like a lot of injuries. But also, she's much more injured than they anticipated. Yes, because they thought that she tripped on the yes. landscaping, right, and just fell like the, you know, how tall is she? Right. Five three. They thought she fell that distance. Mm-hmm. And she's like they I kind of alluded to her, like Jose said, she's kind of right off the patio. She was only a couple inches from like where the patio ends and the grass begins. So Madeline had said that when she had a dog at that apartment at one time, she kept tripping over like the little edging that was at the end of the concrete to go to grass. And she said she just kept tripping over it. And so that's what she assumed Tam had did. So there is some, there was like a pretty big point of contention where the cops didn't think she fell at first. They thought she had tripped until the autopsy was performed and they saw truly how injured she was and like that her neck was broken and that kind of stuff. But I want to also interject here that no photos were taken during the autopsy. 
which is completely unheard of to the point where I'd read interviews that said or like medical examiners had stated that that would have had to been specifically ordered for that to happen. And I don't know why there would be no autopsy photos. I did also read that there were x-rays done, but nobody took an x-ray of her neck which was apparently the injury that killed her. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that, that that's a whole lot of missing information. I know we covered in the John Bonet episode, don't look at the pictures. There's pictures everywhere. Don't look at yeah. them. And I feel like that's kind of been a theme of like, there's way more available on the internet than I'd ever want to see. And this one, there's there's nothing. There's none of that. Like, not the family didn't get any photos. There were this none taken at all, which seems really strange. Is it different for every county, though? Because I feel like medical examiners are hired by the county. Mm. Do they all have different regulations and protocols? And I don't know. We only take pictures if we if it's a murder case. Oh. And this one wasn't, wasn't initially considered anything mm-hmm. other than an accidental death. You know, she tripped over the thing and she fucking broke her neck tripping. Well, they didn't know that when they when they ordered <laughs> yeah, the medical right, right. when they ordered the autopsy. Mm-hmm. So they they had said initially that they thought that she had a medical event from oh. her blood alcohol level. So they thought like she stopped breathing or she had a heart attack mm-hmm. during the trip. Like during she's tripping the trip. out in the yard. <laughs> uh. I I don't know. I think we covered it. The I'm curious. Like, what are the protocols for medical examiners? We should now that call we have f- digital stuff. We should all everybody should be taking pictures of everything. Of course. But I'm sure that back when it was filmed, that wasn't the case, and that a lot mm-hmm. of counties took a long time to change their protocols because. Oh yeah. I mean, it was even a long time before they got the autopsy results, which kind of lent to the discrepancies between what the party goers had said because like you mentioned the cops thought it was an accident thought she had tripped that they did not think that she fell until her autopsy came back and i want to see do you have in your notes when her autopsy was done no god i I do somewhere and it's a it's a long time oh okay so it did take a while, too, for her autopsy results to come back. Um, she had passed away in early November. Her autopsy actually was not completed until February 20th of that next year. So it was wow. December, January, February. So like three or four months that it took. So in those three or four months, the party goers yeah. thought that she had tripped and died somehow. All right. Well, with all that said... I think now is an okay time to segue into my little notes section on all the interviews. So like I had alluded to several times throughout here, I read all the interviews that were conducted with this case. Um, The same two police officers interviewed everyone at the party, and they're all available online, as many things are. They're actually all available on the uh, justicefortam.org site backslash docs, which is where I found all of them. Oh, cool. I never even found that. Where did you find them? You said you read them all, too. I found a link on a YouTube video. So maybe that's where I went. (laughs) Maybe. If it was um, Danielle Hallen, then yes. That's where I found them, too. Almost all the links were broken, but I was able to backtrack from the one that worked and Mm. find the, like, doc repository, and then I read all the interviews, which there were, like, hundreds of pages of interviews. Yeah. And they're all really interesting. Well... Honestly, no. Some of them are not that interesting because yeah. a lot of people like didn't know Tam and they were like, I was here for three hours. I had one conversation with her and then my husband took me up and we're like, okay. Yeah. So I I tried, I took just like a few notes on all of them just to kind of 
give an insight into what anybody said and like what lined up and what didn't line up. And I also wrote down when they were all interviewed because I thought that was really interesting because not everyone was interviewed on the same day. So people who were interviewed on the 9th, um, that's November 9th, so it was five days after she passed away, was Jose. Jose was the first one that was interviewed. He was interviewed at 8.51 in the morning, and it kind of sounded like he went to work, and then he was interviewed at work, which makes sense. It's, yeah, and his interview, I I don't have the quote, but it said something like, now that we're on the record, so it mm. definitely indicated that they had been talking before uh-huh. that official interview. We do see that a lot, don't we? And I don't know if they're like prepping them or coaching them or they're just like getting the bullshit banter out of the way before they're like, all right, let's get down to brass tech. Yeah. Especially if it's like one of your coworkers, then you kind of be like, oh, Jose, how was your weekend? Oh, you maybe witnessed a murder? Yeah, let's talk about it. So we'll start with Jose's first because he was the first one that was interviewed. As we heard in the 911 call, he was the one that mostly talked to the operator. He also, as I stated said that both of her hands were by her sides. So this is in his interview. He is very sure on that fact. He states that, no, I know they were different later. I don't know who moved them. I didn't see it. I am absolutely certain that they were down by her sides. When he was asked if there was anything else they should know, he volunteered some information about the balcony and that he had leaned over the balcony before and he had to be like leaning really far forward to even get his heels to come up off the ground. So like the balcony railing was kind of high up. It wasn't one that you would like easily lose your balance over that was really low. When he was asked how he thought she like ended up like that on the ground, he said that it would make the most sense if she was sitting on the railing, but he had also never seen her do that and he had also never seen anyone do that. I also thought it was interesting that Jose was the only person that the cops asked if he did it. They didn't ask anybody else. They only asked him. Yep, they said, if I might be direct, did you throw her off the balcony? And he said, no, I did not. But they didn't ask anyone else if they were involved at all. Which I thought was weird. And throw is so graphic. Yeah. And that was the only question Not they like, asked was, did you did throw you her kill off the balcony? Her? Right. Did you throw her off the balcony? Uh-huh. And he was huh. like, no. Later that day, still on 11-9, so it's at 3.55 p.m., they interview Jean. And this was actually just an hour before Tam's funeral. I did look up her obituary and confirm that her funeral was indeed at 5 p.m. that day. So they caught Jean, like, kind of right as she was getting ready and leaving. It sounds like they went to her house. She also says that both of her arms were by her side, as I had read her quote before, and it was, like, so disconcerting that she'd never forget it. Also interviewed on that day was Madeline, who I had kind of worked most of her quotes and information Mm -hmm. into the rest of the story. She was interviewed that afternoon, and their friend Nicole was interviewed right before Jean. She had a really quick interview because she had only met Tam that night, and I don't think she even stayed the night, so she didn't really have a lot to add. There were several people that were interviewed on November 14th, so 10 days after Tam had passed away. Uh, Paula was interviewed. She said it was the first night that she had met Tam and that she had seen her at football games before, but hadn't really talked to her or hung out with her until then. Paula also somehow knew a woman named Diane, who she describes as being best friends with Tam. And she texted Diane when she found out that Tam was found deceased and Diane already knew. And there was not a lot of Mm. information given on that. Um, From what I heard from all the ladies who had left was that they received calls from probably Jean 
that morning and they were all told to come back to the residence. So a lot of women like went home, took a shower and then got a phone call and were like, you need to come back, especially Marcy. Like Marcy was just getting ready to leave to work. The girl who left at 410 in the morning and she had to she had to go back. So it sounds like they called them all back. That didn't interview him that day, though, from what I found. Which is so weird. Why did they call them back if they weren't like, right? Thanks for cooperating. Have a good day. All right. Goodbye. Like, yeah. <laughs> Great question. I was thinking that as I was saying it, I was like, well, they called them all back. Why didn't they talk to him that day? And why did they, it seems like they only interviewed John, like, I assume they interviewed them all off the record because these were their recorded, dictated, transcript interviews. Oh, sure. So they were mm -hmm. kind of trying to get things figured out. That would be my guess because even Jean, they didn't come back until the day of Tam's funeral. Yeah. It wasn't even that day that, like, her interview was on the record. Yeah, so the day of, maybe that's what they mean by now that we're on the record. Like, we talked mm -hmm. about it the day of, now right. that we're, like, sitting down and we mm -hmm. know that this is more serious. Like, oh, I guess they didn't know at that point that it was more serious, did they? No, it didn't seem like it. The cops had said several times, like, we don't have any information. We don't know what happened. What do you yeah, think Yeah, because it wasn't happened? until a couple months later that mm -hmm. her autopsy came back. Okay. Yep, so this was, like, this is a still preliminary notes of, like, what do you think could have gone on here? So after they talked to Paula, they talked to Sarah. Sarah also just met Tam that night. She left at 10.30. They talked to Marcy. Uh, Marcy also did not know Tam before this. And she said it was her first time meeting several of the ladies. So she was just kind of newer to the group. They also interviewed Bridget um, that day, the 14th that morning. And Bridget's interview is really weird. It's really weird. All the other interviews read the same and that like either I was at a party and I had almost nothing to do with it because I didn't know these people or like I was at a party with my friends and then we all went to bed and then I woke up and this is what happened. But Bridget's was, <sighs> I wish I had a better word for it other than what? Because <sighs> Bridget just talks about herself the whole time. Like she's really brambly. She seems really nervous. Like, or just she's, like, really awkward. And reading her interview, she seems to be very upfront about how awkward she is and how much of a mother hen she is and how this whole party made her so uncomfortable, how she was so annoyed with Jen. She went on and on about how annoying it was to be around a person who was so drunk. And that was not Tim. That was Jen. And, like... <sighs> Jose had also said in his interview that he knew that Bridget was going to be kind of a mess. And I would say he absolutely hit the nail on the head because her interview <laughs> did not make any sense. It seemed like she was a total mess. So either she's suspicious and strange, which like, I don't really know. Or she's just a really awkward, anxious human and was kind of trying to be upfront about that in her interview. And it came off in like really bad taste about how she was only talking about herself. Yeah, I feel like personalities come out in stress. So if it, oh, yeah. it, even if she calls herself a mother hen, like she's trying to help the police officers. She's mm -hmm. like, picture her as like a two on the Enneagram, if you know what that is, like a personality mm -hmm. test. My niece and my therapist. And twos are helpful, like super helpful. But in stress situations, they can become overly helpful. Right. And they can become like kind of aggressively helpful. <laughs> and it can be, it can come across as odd, you know? Mm -hmm. And it did. 
Yeah, she seemed to just kind of ramble on about herself at any opportunity, which is not really to say that she's super self-centered, more so that she was probably fucking terrified. So yeah. I encourage you all, fair listener, to read it. JusticeforTam.org backslash docs. They're all up there. It was interesting. Richest was the only one that I was like, huh, this is different. But then I read other people's interviews and they're like, yeah, Bridget's going to have a hard time. She might need to bring her husband. And I'm like, okay, all right. (laughs) So, yeah, we talked about Marcy. We talked about Stacy. Oh, no, I think we just talked about Marcy. Um, Stacy was interviewed on the 16th of November. And as I mentioned, Stacy knew Tam really well. Um, They had been friends for like five years. Their boys played football together. She had just seen Tam at the last game of the season, which was October 27th. And then that next weekend at that Halloween party that we mentioned that John had for like them and all the kids where they carved pumpkins. Uh, Jennifer is the next one to be interviewed. She's on the 19th. Uh, Jen's the one that everyone says is really drunk. She does not mention this at all in her interview. (laughs) <laughs> no, at no point, unsurprisingly, I guess, at no point was she like, everyone was mad at me because I was the loud drunk girl. But that's what everyone says. So yeah. <laughs> she, interestingly enough, she was just leaving when uh, Jean had called the police and her husband actually arrived within minutes of the police. So they pulled up at just the same time and her husband actually was like, oh, whoa, who, whoa, and, like, <laughs> just left because he was like, I don't... I see something else is going on here. And she was like, yeah, it's probably better if you just leave. So she actually, he came and then he left and then she stayed there. So according from her text messages, she estimates that the cops showed up between 8.48 and 8.51 in the morning because it's the interval from which she looked outside to say like, are you here yet? And that's when he texted her to say like, yeah, I'm here. There's cops everywhere. So, like, right within those three minutes is when they arrived. And Jen is also the one who says that she noticed the door was open a couple inches, that back balcony door, when she got up in the morning. She went, like, into the living room, probably, and saw that that back door was open just a couple inches. It, like, wasn't wide open. Did she close it? Completely closed. I don't know. I don't know if she closed it. And the the last person interviewed was Tom, which was Stacy's husband. Um, as I mentioned, they had been friends with Tam and her husband for years. He said that his wife, Stacy, went over to Jean's house around six. She rode with a friend and then he took her car over later around eight or eight thirty. As again, I mentioned, they had that like baby shower or gender reveal party and he didn't want to hang around there. So he came over and watched football with Jose in the basement. Now there are some, I just pulled a couple interesting quotes from some of the interviews because I thought they were cool. And all the all the interviews are in caps, so it really makes me want to read, like, okay, and so how did the evening go? But <laughs> that's, like, probably not how they were said. And I also feel like it seems like the interviews were transcripted by a robot, even ah. though there is a name at the bottom of them, transcripted by, like, D. Warwick or something, it said. But it's it reads like a robot did it because it uses a lot of... Like, it misspells a lot of words, like yours and your and Uh your, you know, like, a lot of those are misspelled. And I just, I want to believe that someone transcripting it wouldn't have made so many. Maybe somebody overseas, like somebody in Uzbekistan. Oh, you never know. Translating. Or maybe someone is given, like, the robot report and they're like, yeah, it looks fine. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, it, it, it didn't quite seem like a human 
was listening yeah. to it for the whole thing, but I always wanted to get strange. into that. I love typing. Ninety words per minute is like my Ooh, jam. That would be fun. You could be a stenographer and get to use the cool keyboard. I don't even know what that is, girl. <laughs> a court stenographer? When you take notes in court, they uh, have oh yes a keyboard yeah. that oh, I believe it only has vowel sounds or like syllables on it so you don't type like your standard QWERTY keyboard yes and it looks crazy I think it'd be fun to learn just for fun when we're old and bored and they look crazy when they use it Mm -hmm. because they're not typing that fast yeah no not Mm -hmm. fast at all (laughs) Hebrew the language Hebrew they don't have vowels what or like they in their written language they don't put the vowels in Hmm. fascinating Ernst fun fact of the day. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to back to you, Skirt. <laughs> All right, my interview quotes. So here's one from Jean. Uh, Officer Christian asks, "Okay, and so how did the evening go? Pretty much everyone happy?" And as John cuts in, "No, we weren't happy. LSU lost." And he says, "Right." But other than that, everyone is happy. Um, we were drinking, picking at food. Um, I think first picture or only picture of our whole group was at halftime, which is just a couple days later. I feel like that's weird to be joking with the cop about your dead friend. Right. Like, were you guys having a good time? No. The LSU lost. football team lost. And it's like, oh, your friend's dead? Hey? Yeah. Ma'am? Ma'am? But, like, yeah, I don't know. I love the Packers, and I wouldn't ever bring that up again. I don't really care if they win or lose. So I'm like, well, you tried your best, probably. But I did also like that in Marcy's interview, she, she said that Jean sulked on the couch the entire time because LSU was doing so poorly. So happy oh, freaking so birthday. That was a true statement. No, yes. we didn't have a good time. It sounds like <laughs> she didn't have a good time. Yeah, everybody else seemed like they were having a good time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we did cover um, her talking about Tam smoking weed on the balcony and how she, quote, fussed at her. And then in Stacy's interview, so Stacy's interview, when I read it, again, this was a gal that was actually good friends with Tam. This was my second Tam-related cry of the research because her interview made me sob. It was awful. So I'm going to try to read some of it for you without crying. It's all in caps, so maybe that'll cheer me up a little bit. She says, Tom and I got up um, around, I want to say it was about 8, somewhere in there between 8 and 8.30, not positive because I haven't looked. And we got up and I came. We came downstairs. Oh, we needed. My sister was gonna leave, so we needed to get home to our kids. And um, all of Tam's stuff was sitting there, her bag and her phone. And I was just so proud that she stayed. And I figured that she was sleeping. I didn't think to look in the room, and I didn't. Officer Christian says, right. Stacy says, and I've kicked myself for that. Um, for a lot of it, I kicked myself for not going out with her and I don't I don't know it just breaks my heart and then we left and got home and I got in the shower and my husband called me to answer the phone because Jean called in Christian says mm-hmm he just looked at me and he and he said we got to go back and he wouldn't tell me he said Tam's hurt yeah and then I came back and it's been a whole hot mess since I don't understand like I don't understand any of it I don't understand how it happened I don't understand how like I don't get it at all like I don't get how you fall off the deck I don't understand like I've mean I've been on the deck a million times and I've looked I've tried and I don't understand and I feel like that's probably the best representation of what most of us would be like in our interview yeah <laughs> just she doesn't get it she's upset she doesn't understand I like at some point I don't think it's in here but she said that her husband like wouldn't look her in the eye when he was trying yeah. to get her to go back to Jean's house 
Yeah, it's it's so sad. So like reading Stacy's interview, you could tell that they were much better friends than anyone else. Yeah, you you definitely could. All right. So we have gone through a lot of parts of this case that are strange. A lot that are not strange. But I want to go back and I want to just highlight things that were not done well. Because there's a lot of it. And this is, I think, probably the main reason that Tam's case was just reopened this summer. Yeah. Was that there's just not a lot. There's a ton of things that were conducted pretty poorly. One thing that really stood out to me was that it's really clear that all the women talk to each other before their interviews. Like, you can absolutely tell they mention it in their interviews. They're not shy about it. They say, oh, the other women were saying, or a lot of them volunteer information that they heard. And the cops have had to be like, well, did you witness it or did you hear that from someone else? Like, many times. So, like, clearly they talked. And it's, again, it's several days. The soonest that people were interviewed were five days after her death. So, of course, they were all talking about it to each other. Of course. And I think they even had Tam's family to their house. Mm-hmm. As a condolence, like... Yeah, Jean said that she had invited... Um, Tam's husband's name was Leander, and he went by Lee. She yeah. said that she had offered Lee to come over if he, like, needed to get some closure or something along those lines and said that he did not do that, which, like, I get that. Oh, I thought he did. I'm glad hmm. you looked into that. I only read just one interview, so maybe he did and yeah. I could be wrong, but I don't believe he did. It seemed like the... The communication between Lee and everyone else was pretty contentious. I know Tom mentioned that he reached out to Lee and was just like, because he was probably the closest with him out of all the guys. But he had said in his interview, too, like, I just wish I was better friends for, with him. I wish I knew how to yeah. be there for him. I wish I knew how to help him. So I don't know if the husbands were as close as the wives were. Yeah, probably not. No. And there, like, there seems to be a lot of animosity between the women like we had kind of touched upon the discrepancies between falling or not falling and you'll see that show up on like facebook like somebody posted like no she didn't fall but and people have come at that for being like oh you're clearly lying and covering up but that's what they were told at the time yeah so i read in john's interview this was just right at the end they were closing up talking to officer christian and john says wait before you do that are y'all going to check her phone to prove to those heifers that we did not delete anything? Wait, when was that? This is right at the end of her interview. So like five days after? Yes, as she's leaving to go to Tam's funeral. Are y'all going to check her phone to prove to those heifers that we did not delete anything? Officer Christian says, we're going, uh, we're trying to get the phone back. She says, because they're saying we did it. And they're also posting today as her on Facebook. He says, Really? And said, yeah, I screenshot it too. And he says, will you send it to me? She says, yes. Said, remember, I loved you all. And then they had been commenting underneath there as if she's talking from the beyond. Who was doing that? Her family? I don't know who was using Tam's Facebook. I'm guessing her family would have gotten the phone back. Could be. I guess that would, would be who has access to her Facebook. But she's also saying, prove to those heifers. So it sounds like yeah. she's talking cruelly about the other women. Girl, I thought you those were your friends. So that one point made like all of my my hackles arise where I was like, yeah, what are you saying about sure. your friends? Like it really sounds and Jose had alluded to this too, that the women were really bickery against each other after that. 
Like, they were not able to get along and just, like, try to support Tam's family or try to support each other in their loss. They seem to have turned against each other. Huh. Which would kind of make sense. They didn't know each other that well. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, they were not... um, they were not a pack of women. They were Jean's friends. Yes, like, they were only tied to Jean. A lot of them yeah. did not know each other. And they also, all of the women who attended the party started getting death threats. Some yes. of them had to move. Like, mm-hmm. It got really messy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know at what point they it got that messy me neither and we saw this with kendrick's family too and yeah i get it i really get it like i will get to this in my this is awful conclusion but like i don't know it it is very logical it would make perfect sense that this could be a racially motivated crime It really does. And I don't want to discount that fact, like, that we heard the history of the county. It's, like, it could be weird to some other people that Tam was the only person of color at the party. She did not seem to think so. Nobody at the party brought it up. Which, like, would you if your friend ended up dead? (laughs) But, like, it didn't seem to be a big issue to these women. I can see how it would be a big issue looking in from the outside. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I can too. So let me, uh, we're going to carry on in the uh, weird interview front. So as I was reading Madeline's interview, and perhaps you noticed this as well, uh, Jean was there for her interview. She chimes in at part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember that? Because I'm trying to picture them, like they're standing in her home. They're getting ready for a funeral. They're talking to Madeline in the (laughs) lobby or the hallway or the living room or whatever. And Jean like comes by and be like, you know, so... I'll try to, I wish I could do different voices for you for each of them, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to read who's reading. You should add a French accent for Jean. <laughs> for Jean. Yeah, that would be, we'd be here for a while then of me trying to forge a French accent. So there's another <laughs> officer here, Officer Sexton, who was interviewing and he asks, was anyone sleeping in the living room? And Madeline says, no. He says, Okay. Madeline says, nobody in the living room. Uh, Tom and Stacy were sleeping in the upstairs in Emma's room, but uh, apparently they had left some time in the early morning. They have kids, so I guess they just got some rest and slept off the alcohol and decided to leave. But uh, Jen was the only other person that was here, and uh, she asked what was going on. This is when Jean chimes in and says, I'm going to start charging y'all rent. And here's the quote that comes next from Officer Christian. I hope this is transcribed incorrectly because it says, get out of my head. Okay. Sean says, look, I just went and got y'all gift cards. Then it says Lombardi, who is Madeline, parentheses, inaudible. Okay. There's a lot of good, like classic inaudibles in this. Sean says, then I was told I shouldn't because it would look bad if I give you some before the case is closed. Again, Madeline, inaudible. Sean, and it's very, it's very typical because I figure all the cops love Dunkin' Donuts, right? Officer Christian says, you may have something. Sean says, do you need me or can I go upstairs to get ready for this funeral? Officer Christian says, go do your thing. Sean says, okay, perfect. They say, so anyway. And Madeline says, oh, and then so after that, I mean, it wasn't but a few minutes before the police was here. So let's go back there. This comes up on in your searches if you're looking online. Sean yeah. offered the policeman Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. Girl, the <laughs> fuck are you thinking? What the fuck are you thinking? At the very like 
if you are innocent, you're an idiot. That's the best I have for you. If you are trying to get out of this with Dunkin' Donuts gift cards, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Why are you offering the police gift cards? I can't. I can't get past this. What is she doing? Dunkin' Donuts? Does she have (laughs) no tact? Is this woman completely removed from what society is like and she decides this is an okay thing to do? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, did Jose know that she did that? Because he should have, he should have been should like, stop that. no, absolutely like, we're not allowed not. to take any, like. Also, you're an idiot. Yeah, and the cops had said, like, in her, the beginning of her interview, like, oh, you had mentioned this. We are not allowed to take anything from you that would look awful. And she's like, yes, I understand. So this seems to be the origin because Madeline was interviewed before Jean. So they went back with John and she was like, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have offered you Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. But like, why why did you go out and buy these gift cards? Why did you offer them to the police? Why are you doing this on the day of your friend's funeral? And I will also say that there's a photo online that's circulating and getting a ton of heat of Sean and a couple of her other friends who are wearing Dunkin' Donuts masks now that we're in the time of the pandemic. And they're like, ha ha ha, these are the best masks. And then it says, hashtag I-Y-K-Y-K, which stands for, if you know, you know. And oh, that is lighting up the internet. Oh, because how fucking tactless, girl, how tactless. Your friend dies. You offer the cops Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. Then you're flaunting your Dunkin' Donuts massacre on the internet. Are you are you stupid or are you a murderer? <laughs> I'm sure she like my take is that she doesn't actually know what she's doing. Does she exist in a world where she understands that racism is a thing and that like police is a thing and like the, uh, I just I can't that does not put this woman in a good light. There's no positive outcome. The most positive outcome of this is that you're just an idiot. Yeah, and you are like know, so tone like deaf. I know a couple of people who would be super like trying to be helpful. And so they would try and get, I don't know. I just can picture a couple people in my life who would do that. <laughs> are they like older white women who are out of touch yes. with reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I think the, the <laughs> thought would be like, oh my gosh, you have to come to my house on a whatever day it is, Friday morning. I'm so sorry I inconvenienced you. I don't know. Do you know what I... I yes. I do know what you mean. I don't think that's an excuse. White women everywhere. Tone it down. Get a little tact. Yes, I mean. <laughs> because it comes. It becomes an issue of like, you can be separated from those in your surroundings. Mm-hmm. This can just be his job. It doesn't have to be something that you have to fix. Right, right. Because I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, they are there to perform a service. They're not taking it personally. Yeah. Well, what's the prayer of serenity? Control the things you can't accept or... No, that's the something the grabbing the ability to accept the things I can't control. Yes. That is something else. Something, 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 something. And the wisdom to know the difference. (laughs) Well, clearly Sean does not know the difference. And also we do not know the prayer of serenity. (laughs) Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. But like, man, I really got stuck on these gift cards. I fell in the Dunkin' Donuts related hole of her and her masks. And then I read everyone hated on her on Reddit. She just loves Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, probably. I bet she does. Did it just come to the South? Like how we just got Chick-fil-A 
I oh, feel maybe. like Dunkin' Donuts just got to Denver when I lived there mm-hmm. and it was like a big thing. Yeah, maybe she's really leaning into that Dunkin' Donuts culture. I know a couple Dunkin' Donuts people and they like really love it. But I also would like to think those people would know like when is the time to bring up Dunkin' Donuts and it's not at your friend's murder investigation. Yeah. I'm upset. I'm getting riled up now. She, yeah, I feel like, I mean, it goes back to the like, how was the night? Was like, what was the vibe of the place? And she was like, bad, my football team lost. Yeah, she's so self-centered. I mean... I don't think that was a good look. Like the <laughs> no, how was wasn't. how was the night? Was everybody Bad. getting along? My football team lost. Uh huh. Like, I feel that same way about her reaction to Tam's tequila gift. Just say thank you and put it to the yes. side, even if you say don't thank like you it. And put it to the side and then give it yes. to your dad for Christmas next year. Like, right. There's no need to make somebody feel bad. Or you could say like really nicely, like, "Oh, I like I really appreciate this gesture. I see it's maybe your thing more than mine. So if you want to enjoy it tonight, I want you to feel free." But instead, she was yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna drink that. That makes me throw up in my mouth." And I'm like, "John, I don't like you at all." in this moment yeah so <laughs> i she, really don't yeah there's definitely that like uh she's toned yeah. up yeah that's a good way to put it she but can't think, read a room very well yeah and like <laughs> i feel like that's a like a middle-aged white woman's thing is to be yeah, really not toned all up. middle-aged white women no just some no of them. no we're we're approaching middle-aged white women <laughs> yeah and i think in the best light we could shed john this is where she is is that she just lives in her own little happy or terrible, depending on the LSU outcome, bubble. Yes. And this is where she is stuck. And, like, that's too bad for her because there's other shit going on out here that she should really pay attention to. But Yeah, not related, but kind of related. There's this really cool story of a school teacher in Detroit. He had a very low-income classroom. And so one of their projects that he had them do was they became pen pals with refugee children in Syria. Oh. And like you could see over the course of the year their kind of mindset change from being very sad with their situation mm-hmm. to being thankful or like to being excited to see somebody else's way of life. Oh. And like to kind of relate in some ways and how like man it's cooler for them in this way but it's cooler for me in this way. Oh. What it's a nice a way cool... to like harvest empathy in children. I know. So Jean could do for a pen pal. That's true. Maybe we should set her up with someone less fortunate. Yeah. So as I kind of mentioned, uh, Tam's case got uh, pretty hot in the summer of 2020. I believe that's when some celebrities such as 50 Cent, as you may recall from yeah. our high school mm-hmm. Saturn driving days. Yes. Guys, Saturn's you... a kind of car. We had matching cars. <laughs> yeah. If you knew Ern in high school and knew that she listened to 50 Cent, it would make your day as much as it makes Bond because it does <laughs> not fit. But it happened. And I love it. So he spoke up like, for her case. Uh, T.I. spoke up for her case. I want to say like other people like Kim Kardashian and etc. shared it on social media. So it kind of like regained popularity. And at that point, Tamla's family had re- like hired other lawyers to work on the case and they released a letter that states that quote homicide is a strong possibility 
and the letter goes on to be extremely scathing in the missteps of the Forsyth County Police Department, yeah. completely accurate, and like all the ways that this case was not handled correctly due to the, you know, the lack of autopsy photos, the clear collusion, or at least like talking of the ladies before the interview, all that kind of stuff. Even just not roping off the area or like right. taking any fingerprints on door handles. Like, yeah. There just really wasn't anything done for this no. case that should have been done. They drew that stick figure drawing and they like put some markers in the dirt for where they found her body and photographed it. And that seemed to be the extent of it. So truly the investigation was not done very well. And it seems that as of June of 2020, the case has been reopened, which makes me very happy. Like if there are other things that need to be revealed, I truly hope they get revealed. Now let's go back to... We had a couple pins in things. Yeah, we did put some pins in things. Let's just take those pins out. Um, (laughs) I don't know if we mentioned the pin on Jose, but any of you who are familiar with the case know that Jose kind of comes up again later. And uh, Jose, I think we heard it. No, that was just a a blip in the 911 call. So Jose does come up again. He was fired from his job. Uh, The article I read said that he was a pre-trial services officer with the county. I also read that he was a probation officer with Forsyth County. Uh, He was fired from that job in December of 2018. So just a month after Tam was found dead, as he was found to have accessed some of her case information and shared it with around five other people. This case was brought up by a woman named Michelle, who is listed on the police documents as a close family friend of Tam. And Michelle stated that her personal information was leaked in order to intimidate her into not asking any more questions about Tam's death. Now, it does appear that the IT department and like the major crimes unit was able to confirm that Jose did, in fact, access some reports that involved him, such as a stalking incident uh, report and uh, some information about Michelle. He has denied this. He said that any information that is out there was publicly accessible. I don't know. Seems like IT was able to confirm that he looked at those reports, so that could be it. Uh, He was also let go from a position at the Department of Community Supervision in October of 2016 over what he called a, quote, inter-office disagreement over a relationship with a co-worker. So uh, clearly he's he's excelling in the law enforcement field. Yeah, so that's too... I wonder if that's the probation officer or the probation... What was his first title? I couldn't tell if he was a probation officer or a pretrial services officer for the county. I think he was both. I think he, Mm. at one point or another, he had been both. Oh, okay, okay. So at the time of Tam's death, he was the pretrial service officer. Interesting. Yeah, it does seem like it is confirmed that he accessed some information that he was not supposed to. I don't want to relate, but like, God, I could kind of relate if I had a whole database of information. Oh, it'd be really hard for me to not look at it, but it's illegal, Jose. Doesn't yeah, look but good. what would you be looking at? Look. I don't what know. What was he looking for? It, it's Michelle said that he was like getting information such as her address and phone number to like really sit and kind of like dox her on the internet, so she would shut up about asking questions. Oh, well, that's really shady. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't come off good. And speaking of not coming off good. One of the two officers that conducted all the interviews, this is Officer Michael Christian, resigned. Yeah, the lead investigator. Oh. Yes, yes. He uh, resigned in October 2020 because a case had come up against him. He actually resigned before the case was completed. 
Then in January 2021, so just a couple months ago, uh, the case was completed and he was officially deemed, quote, negligent of his duty after evidence showed that he was having affairs with not one, but two women while he was on the clock, and also that he had sent at least one of them a photo of Tam's body. And he has shared other sensitive case information with his fucking affair partners that he was trying to woo. He's wooing them with photos of a dead woman. Michael. But she didn't even take photos for the investigation. I've never seen them. I would have seen them if they're on the but internet. But he's sending he, them to his affair yeah. partners. Mm-hmm. Not a good look. Actually, really skeevy. He looks really skeevy, though. If you see a picture of him, he looks like a very skeevy dude. I so didn't I'm see not a picture shocked. of him. But I read his, like, um, statement to the press. And it was gross. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely, like... Was that the one where he was like, oh, I chose to end a long-term marital affair, and she re- she retaliated against me. Like, don't turn this on her. Yeah, Excuse he you. he played the victim. He was Ew. like, I chose... I chose the right thing by staying with my wife. Whatever. And, or he didn't even say right. He said like decent or the, moral thing or something. I think yeah. I remember him bringing up oh. morals in. And I was like, you need to shut the fuck up right now about your morals. And you're too a fair partner. So it was like, at the very worst, he was not doing his job because he was continually on the phone or text messaging one or both of these women. But he also shared extremely sensitive information with them relating yeah. to Tam's case. Yeah, I had read that he sent, he also sent toxicology reports and crime Really? Photos. Wow. Yeah. Very good reasons why this case should be reopened and re-examined. Like, I don't it even want to say re-examined. Yeah. Maybe just examined. It should just be examined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Are you ready for in conclusion? Yes. Now that I'm all riled up about this gross You're pretty pop. riled up. I am. He's so gross. I just, ugh. I knew I'd be mad by the time I got to the end. All right. So in conclusion, every solution to this mystery is horrifying. If she was somehow like preyed upon as a person of color, that is very much akin to a real life horror movie. If she was the victim of maybe an argument that got out of hand and it was covered up by a group of people that knew they were pretty likely to get away with it due to their race and the racial history of the place in which they lived, That is truly despicable. And if she really did have a bit too much to drink on her first outing with friends, first time hanging out with women in a long time, she somehow lost her balance while having a cigarette on the balcony before bed. Somehow that's like the worst of the options. Like sometimes any explanation can be of comfort. Someone to hold accountable can be comforting. And if that is truly the case, then there's none of that in this instance. Like, if this was truly a tragic accident, I think that's the worst outcome there could be. Because that meant nothing bad happened. The night was as fun as everyone said it was. And she still just died for no reason. I almost want there to be a reason. Even though that sounds awful. And I understand that. I know that, like... The racial ties are terrible and they're prevalent and it like seeps into everyone's everyday life in America. But I can't help but feel like if this were an accident, that's even worse because there's no answer. There's no solution. There's nobody to arrest. There's nobody to hold accountable. There's nobody to blame. It was just a terrible accident. And I don't know 
which one of these three happened. It could be something different than these three. But mm-hmm. like, I hope that now that her case is reopened, now that it's being examined correctly for the first time, that maybe some new information comes to light, that we can finally know what happened to this woman who left behind her husband, her five sons, her one stepdaughter. She was FaceTiming her family when she was at this party. Everyone said like, oh yeah, she was FaceTiming her daughter. Like she's FaceTiming her husband. She was having a great time. And for them to get this phone call in the morning, for them to, like, had they, I come back to this breakfast casserole, had they already eaten it? Did they just put it in the oven when they got this phone call? Like, oh, that really, that really sticks with me. I know her stepdaughter flew out from wherever she was to, like, come be present for the investigation. And it's just like, I don't have a a wrap-up sentence because all of this is awful. Just awful. And I want to know, and I look forward to following the case and seeing where it goes. Yeah, I feel like the only comfort that I have in the whole, in looking at all, all the pieces of the puzzle is how, one, that's a really big group of people to have to keep up the same story if mm-hmm. it's not true. And then two, like, they really talked highly of Tam. Like, they could have thrown her under the bus and been like, she was drinking so much. Yeah, But they kind hammered. of threw, what was, was it, Jen? Jen. That mm-hmm. I think that if there had been foul play, it would be likely that they would have overemphasized Tam's inabilities. Like, mm. oh, she was so drunk. She was slurring. Yeah. She was stumbling around. Mm-hmm. She must have fallen off the back deck. Like, to kind of separate themselves. But they, mm-hmm. they weren't really making excuses. They were kind of in the same, like, I don't know. I just woke up. Right. There was no explanation. And some people had said, like, she must have fallen. She must have tripped. But, like, of course, they're seeking any explanation while they're talking yeah. to the cops. And they're like, I don't know what happened. Maybe she fell. Maybe she this. You know, they're kind of like grasping at straws. But I think you make a yeah. good point that if they did want to really frame this on her, probably people would have gone harder on the fact that she was intoxicated, which she was. Her blood alcohol content was very yeah, high. Yeah, she was. Yeah. And you can tell in the pictures that she was like, you see pictures of her drinking that night. Yeah. Her family knew that she was drinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that... The bigger issue is the police investigation. That's the bigger what in the world mm-hmm. is going on here. Not so much the friend group, but the right. the authorities who were supposed to come in and take control. And they just didn't. They just dropped the ball, whether that was because of racial issues or whether that mm-hmm. was because they assumed that it was a natural cause of death. And so they didn't need to do a whole lot. Oh, yeah. There's just there's so much. But my hope is that it wouldn't divide you know, the races in America more. Because as I was looking into this, I was really saddened by a lot of like, this is why all white people suck. And this is yeah. why I do think that white people have caused a lot of issues. And I think not that great. there is a lot of work to be done. But mm-hmm. like, there's definitely this like human nature to swing the pendulum of injustice to where if you were oppressed, you you like innately want to become the the oppressor mm. just like a human nature wanting to survive like being the the king of the hill or whatever you want to say <laughs> and i don't think that's going to be a good society i no. don't think that somebody being on top and everybody else being below is ever going to be a good society no, that will never work out i had read a lot of things too about like oh if this were one white woman at a party of black women you know all the black women would be in jail and i'm like yeah yeah 
I bet I bet they would. I like yeah, that's not I just right don't either. Know if I want to believe that, like maybe, but maybe not. Yeah, I hope not, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but I also don't want to assume that. I don't know. I don't want to assume that a white girl can't go to a party either, or that black girls can't go to parties with yeah. white girls. Like, I don't right. want to make that a thing. No, that becomes normalized of like. And this is why we should be afraid of each other. Right. Like, that's not going to yeah. help anything. That's a very <laughs> important point. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times this case is used to, like, stoke fear. And yeah. that, regardless of what happened, that makes me sad. If it's warranted, then I, ho- I hope they find out what happened. I hope somebody in that group comes forward if they know anything different than what they said in their interviews. But, man, if it was an accident, I think that would be the most terrifying thing to wake up to. Yeah. And those pajamas. Everyone mentioned her pajamas and how they stood out. And like, oh, I just, the the juxtaposition between fun pajamas and the pretty brutal crime scene or like pretty brutal death scene, depending on what side you're on, I think is what really stuck with people. And that's what really sticks with me. Yeah. It's almost like a death happening at a wedding. Like it's more filled with sorrow because of the event. Oh, yeah. It was, she was excited. She was happy to be there. She was, Mm -hmm. yeah, the outfit, the, the expectation. I mean, it seems like her relationships with these women were growing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. Basically. What do you think happened? I, ugh, I don't think the friends did it. I don't think anybody at the party did it. I just, the, the way that they talked their, their story seemed consistent. Even though people said that it was too consistent, yes. I don't think it was. Like, I looked through the stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it was too consistent. I think, I don't know. It was a weird thing because it was a group of people who didn't know each other super well. Right. And you could tell that. Yeah. You don't have that kind of group of people come together. Just like historically, you can look at things. You don't have that group of people who don't know each other super well, who don't have intimate connections stand up for each other and not immediately crack and say that's true nobody would have cracked or plot to murder someone yeah you would Mm -hmm. want to blame you would uh, there's no there's no pack mentality at this point in this friend group there's no clearly not they all turned against each other once it was done Uh yeah so you'd think that they would have turned against each other and started throwing each other under the bus but they didn't like they just turned against each other and were like this sucks you're full of shit you said our arms were like this yeah, so that I feel like the police are really sus- the the most suspicious. They, I think that there are good police officers in America, but the fact that her arms moved, the fact that Jose mm-hmm. and Jean both said like that isn't how she was, right? Like, that's right. weird. Yeah, that's super suspicious. And then the fact that Christian, the lead investigator, did have all of these things come out. Oh, scumbag. Yeah. Ah. I don't know. That's true. I, I'm willing to cast a lot more doubt and shade onto the police force than I am the friends. I also am interested in, and I guess I'm not the best judge of this, but like, what is my entire life as a white woman doing to cloud my judgment about this? Am I subconsciously siding with these friends because of their race? And like, I want to say no. 
I bet other people would say different. So I'm always trying to keep that in mind and be like, yeah. do I only believe these people because this lady's interview made me cry? But like, I was with you where as I started reading the interviews, because I, I read all of them a couple times. Yeah. And as I read them, I was like, these are weirdly alike. Like all of them are providing the same details. This is really strange. But as I got through all of them, I kind of realized... Yeah, they were at the same party. Like, they're recounting the same... They didn't use the same wording by any means. No. But they recounted the same events because they were all at the same event. And so I originally was very suspicious as the fr- of the friends as I was reading the interviews. And as I got to the end, especially as I got to, uh, to Stacy's, I think I said Sarah's before. It was Stacy's that made me cry. That yeah. I was like, you know, now I kind of believe them. You know, like, hers kind of turned the corner for me to think... I can relate to this and like this is kind of how I would feel in this situation where she's just rambling and she's like I don't know I don't understand what happened I don't know what ha- you know I don't understand it you could fall off this balcony I've been here so many times you know and you could like picture how your thoughts would be worrying I don't know clearly it needs more or some investigation it does but I will say that the my initial gut reaction hearing it was that the friends were absolutely did something and they were a hundred percent involved mm. and it took me a lot of digging and investigating to finally start to be like maybe they were just there that like maybe something else so like my initial reaction was like what did they do oh my gosh yeah oh that's interesting i really had to like be won over to their side and to have some Mm. sort of cracks in my like assumptions about them Mm -hmm. in my eyes they were definitely guilty until proven innocent huh so, I don't know, seven white girls and one black girl and the black girl dies. Like, you hear that report and you're like, what? And then you hear, like, not everybody at the party knew her. And so my mind is just spinning of, like, who didn't like her? Who was racist? Right. Who did something? Right. Mm-hmm. And I really had to, like, they had to prove their innocence to me at through the horrible investigation that was done. I don't think that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the friends did it, but I don't think that the investigation was done properly. Right. Totally agree. Again, why wasn't anything fingerprinted? Right. Why wasn't anything roped off? Like, why wasn't the driveway checked? Why weren't neighbors asked? Where is that camera that they mentioned? Like, where's the camera? Yeah. So many questions. So many questions. So we'll get more answers as the case goes on. This reminds me, I do have one small update for you. Oh, yeah. Speaking of racially motivated deaths potentially Uh in in Georgia, they are re just was announced that they are reopening the Kendrick Johnson case. Aw, justice for Kendrick. So I'm excited to hear more about that, even though that one we were torn back and forth too of was it an accident or was it not? Regardless of what my opinion is, I want to know the truth. So if I'm wrong, I want to know it. I will happily admit it. I just want to know what happened. So I was very happy to hear that they were reopening that case. In fact, I got a couple text messages from friends who knew I had been covering it. They were like, did you hear? They're reopening Kendrick. And I'm like, yes, friends, thank you. So I'm, I'm very excited to hear that. So as with this one, as with Kendrick, as with every case... We'll, we'll give you updates. We will give you updates. A lot of that is because of the true crime community. Yes. The fact that people are still calling out for justice, that's what keeps people's cases going. Mm-hmm. And that's what, like, begs the world for answers, you know? Absolutely. Whenever I wonder, 
why the heck are we doing this? Like, why are we spending so much time doing this? Is this even going to matter? Like, is this just a fun <laughs> hobby? And then I'm like, no, it's worth it to tell these people's stories every time. It's worth it to, like, think about them and, like, give my energy to this and to think about Tam and to think about her kids and to think about her husband, think about her family, you know, just to give yeah. them that energy, yeah. put that out in the universe just to keep her story going, keep that kind of like keeps a part of her alive in some way is to just keep talking about her. And if that's all I can do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, Arden, that was quite the case that we covered tonight. I, as you can tell, still don't know where I stand on it, but can't wait to find out more. And I can't wait to talk to you about more cases. So what yes. are you going to share with us next month? Next month, we will be covering Jennifer Fairgate. Mm. The thing that intrigued me the most about this case is it's a essentially a Jane Doe case. And the thing that really caught my attention was the first thing that I heard about it was that she's probably a spy. Oh. And that she had one pair of pants and a bunch of blouses. Oh, the this is the Unsolved Mysteries one. about it was yes and the person oh, okay. who was telling me about it was like who ha who does that she must be a spy and i was like i do that i do that like it just i felt like she was totally related <laughs> you bring tons totally of shirts in one pair of pants just, yes of course <laughs> i like you always pick these obscure name not even known cases and i like that like you said <laughs> earlier we want to cover everything from john benet to john does yes we do you're keeping it up i love it well guys Thanks so much for joining us here again for another month of Armchair Agents. I can't believe it's gone on this long. I'm so thankful that it has. We're still going to keep going. Ern and I will never tire of talking true crime, and I hope you never tire of listening to us. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks, guys. We will talk to you all again next month. First things first, I have to go tell my other kids to go to bed. So I'll, I'll be. <laughs> kids.